of history, tea house poems to nurture the past and rewild the spirit. A podcast by Caroline Kerjean. Season 2, Episode 1 Fragrant Time. Hello to everyone, and welcome back to this podcast. We're going to be entering the second season of the Thread of History podcast today, and I want to thank all my listeners for their very kind support of my work. I hope everyone has been doing really well and that you've found the time maybe to further delve into the topics uh, that we've been exploring on this show. For anyone who is new to the podcast, I just want to take a moment to quickly sum up what my aim is in presenting you this show. In a nutshell, the goal is to explore what it means to have a meaningful connection to the past. Rather than creating a podcast about certain episodes of history, for example, certain events or historical biographies, I want to find out more about what it means to actually have a sense of history, a sense of the past. And in doing so, I obviously shed a light on the actual disconnection to the past or disconnect that we suffer from because yes, I do think um, it is actually a form of mental and emotional suffering at this particular moment in history. How do I explore a sense of the past in this show? Well, what I propose is to do so by using my artwork as a kind of window onto my perception of the past, since I am a fine artist, a portrait artist more specifically. So in each episode of the the podcast, Hurry, I try to explore our sense of time, past and present, by exploring the meaning behind a recent piece of art. And also in the books I've been reading, or the shows I've been watching or listening to, and any other wonderful things I can find. The most wonderful thing, though, I can think to tell you about today is actually the following, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. It's that we're opening our new store. I think most of you know that I live in Quebec City, Canada. Well, I'm super excited to tell you that we've just opened a brand new boutique in the old quarter of Quebec City, which is known as Vieux Québec. It's an absolutely beautiful part of town, quite famous for its narrow, winding streets, 17th and 18th century architecture, and lovely hotels and restaurants. I really hope you get a chance one day to visit the city if you haven't already, and our boutique as well. For anyone who's actually planning a trip here soon, maybe for the holidays, our shop is called Divina Natura. It's located at 48 Côte de la Fabrique in Quebec City. Côte de la Fabrique is actually one of the oldest streets in town. Uh, In the 19th century, the Anglophone elite used to come here to purchase luxury goods, while the Francophones knew it to be the haunt of poets and writers, such as the famous Octave Crémazy, whose bookstore, I believe, was located a a few doors down from us. Our shop is also right opposite the beautiful City Hall, and two or three blocks from the famously grand Château Frontenac, which I'm sure you've heard of. As the name suggests, our boutique, Divina Natura, is dedicated to bringing you all sorts of natural products, teas, lavender beauty products, indigenous and other kinds of incense, 
gourmet products from France, and of course what we call produits du terroir, which means locally produced foodstuffs, such as all kinds of wonderful maple products, maple syrup, maple butter, candies. I love them, and customers seem to love them too. If ever you want to get a better idea of what's on offer, I invite you to visit our Facebook page at Divina Natura. Please don't hesitate to comment. We'd love to get some feedback. The other aspect of Divina Natura we want to emphasize is of course the historical aspect, especially since we are right in the historical quarter of Quebec City. Uh, incidentally, some of you might already be familiar with this part of town after having read um, a particular Louise Penny detective story, which I think is called Bury Your Dead. And the action of this crime uh, novel takes place at the Morin Center, which is right up the street because the Morin Center used to be a prison. And it's a bit of a detective story I aim to present to you through this podcast myself and through the boutique itself. To sum up, how does one's sense of nature tie in with one's sense of the past? Essentially, one's sense of time. Why should we try to understand this link, this connection? Why open a boutique with this theme in mind? Why offer my history-themed works of art there? Well, I think it all began, as I've had the chance to explain earlier in the podcast, with the writing of my own detective story. It's a slim little book I wrote in 2020 titled A Bloody Song, How Anime and Literature Collide. What I set out to do when I wrote it is, one, to provide a kind of overview of a Japanese anime I had absolutely loved as a child, an anime titled Lady Oscar, or perhaps you know it as The Rose of Versailles. But two, what I also wanted to do was to time travel back to childhood, in a sense, by revisiting the main themes of Lady Oscar and thus discover what they now mean to me as an adult. And one of the things I discovered along the way is that Japanese art, Zen art, and Buddhist cultures in general see or understand time in a very different way than we do in the West. As one author noted, time itself is the raw material of Zen art. And that idea just fascinates me. There is one quote in particular that I chanced upon in a book about Japan that I read um, while researching my own writing. The quote is by the wonderful Alan Watts. He's the one who first introduced Zen philosophy to a wider Western audience. When I first found them, these words just blew me away. Here's what he says. The aimless life is the constant theme of Zen art of every kind, expressing the artist's own inner state of going nowhere in a timeless moment. In the art of Zen, every landscape, every sketch of bamboo in the wind or of lonely rocks is an echo of such moments. Though the quote is a bit longer, these few words just stopped me dead in my tracks when I first read them. It was the very first time an author had actually put into words what I had always felt to be intimately true, that the artistic life was essentially contemplative, aimless, and that this, quote, inner state was most perfectly captured 
through the bittersweet beauty of fall, and of things sort of gently falling apart. It's a type of Zen beauty which we're quite unfamiliar in the West, for the most part. I discovered that's one of the reasons the anime I analyze in A Bloody Song so fascinated me as a child, because even back then, I found its sad beauty to ring true, to be true to life in a way that, for instance, Disney animation just never was. How did the creators of that Japanese childhood series manage to depict the passing of time so subtly and through the medium of animation? However they did it, the series conveyed an adult kind of beauty that somehow resonated with me even as a young girl, maybe because I was already an old soul. And I think a great many of you can understand what that's like. The aimless life is the constant theme of Zen art of every kind, expressing the artist's own inner state of going nowhere in a timeless moment. I repeat the quote, I love it so much. I think early November is also probably a very good time to meditate on the meaning of Alan Watts's words. When I think about it, it isn't merely what one might call the melancholy beauty of Zen art, which I love and which I instinctively respond to. It's also this wonderful idea of the artist's inner life as, quote, going nowhere in a timeless moment. This idea of living, in a sense, suspended in time, of inhabiting what we might call deep time. That's really what I have felt my whole life. And after reading this quote, I recognized that it is what I truly respond to in the art, the books, the shows that I love. I also recognize the role nature plays in these scenarios. When one looks, for instance, at the paintings of the seasons by the Flemish Renaissance artist Bruegel, his painting of fall, for instance, of late fall, of the return of the herds from the mountains, the slate gray skies, the deep earthy tones of the landscape, all these elements too are an echo of the timelessness Alan Watts speaks of. Despite the painting's wonderful sense of movement, it somehow also feels suspended in time, one could say. And I think that has a lot to do with the season it depicts. It's sort of stoniness, of stark and stony beauty, that of nature in late autumn. The late autumn we are beginning to experience right now, the late autumn that I see reflected on the bare mountains across the St. Lawrence River, in the shivering trees or the thin morning sun. Essentially, what Watts is saying is that the aimless life is the meditative, the deeply contemplative life. It's what another author calls a life devoted to the art of lingering. And we're best to linger, to slowly linger, but in nature. For it is nature which grounds us, which allows us to fully and completely inhabit our lives, and even time itself. Something that we can definitely meditate upon with renewed interest and understanding on the eve of All Saints Day. I borrowed these ideas, in fact, from another wonderful author whom I discovered a few months ago. His name is Byung Chul Han. I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly, however. He's a South Korean-born philosopher who teaches in Berlin. And he penned a number of, in my opinion, extraordinary books, 
one of which is titled The Scent of Time, an essay on the art of lingering. It's quite a short volume, but it is tremendously readable while also being very profound, and it had a huge impact on me. I would love to tell you more about it. Because I, when I, I think of contemporary Western societies, I'm often reminded of another book, or should I say a book title, as I have actually never read the book itself, but only critiques of the book. I'm uh, talking about the famous uh, volume by American academic Francis Fukuyama titled The End of History. This book is famous for having set forth the idea that liberal democracies represented, quote, the final stage of history, as they had outcompeted other forms of government, such as communism and totalitarianism, and now stood for the political model all other countries should aspire to. I'm sure the author's thesis was much more complex than this brief description, and maybe some of you are actually much more familiar with it than I am. But what I've always found strange is that this one title, The End of History, seems to perfectly capture all that is wrong with our contemporary way of thinking about history and about time itself. Alternatively, I found that the title by hand, The Scent of Time, seems to offer a radically different understanding of what, quote, the end of history actually means. While Fukuyama's aim was to discuss the end of history in political terms, I believe it's essential to try to understand it from another angle, that which Han explores in his beautiful essay. How does Han offer an alternative philosophical view of the end of history? How does he see the art of lingering as key to reconnect, reconnecting with our sense of the past, with nature, and ultimately with ourselves? What exactly does the scent of time mean? I'll tell you all about these different and wonderful ideas and much more in a follow-up episode of this podcast. As we're in the middle of opening our boutique, it's a busy time right now, so I felt the need to create two separate episodes in order to tell you everything I need to tell. I sincerely hope you'll join me next time to learn more about Han's unique, quote, prescription for reconnecting with our sense of time and nature and for looking deeper into ourselves. I also will be talking about the way of Zen and its understanding of arts and of craft as well, which is a subject very dear to my heart. In the meantime, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can visit my website at athreadofhistory.com or visit Davina Nature's Facebook page. Comments are always welcome. And of course, we would love to see you in person one day at the boutique. Stay well, everyone, and happy Halloween. Mm -hmm.